Well, it's a warm Friday afternoon here in Boston. Yes, winter is over, Roland. How are things in California? Winter never came here. It's beautiful all year round, Frank. (laughs) Okay, okay, rub it in a little bit. (laughs) Well, it's a Friday. We just, last week, if you guys recall, we had a nice conversation with Roland and me. But now we're talking to people, practitioners, pundits. Well, focusing on practitioners anyways. Um, To bring in today's guest, someone here in Boston who... I feel like I should have met years ago, but haven't. We share a number of people, nodes on our network, as well as a common grad school experience, but we actually never met in person until recent, fairly recently at a, a meetup here in Boston. So anyways, I wanted to introduce Peter Belante of Autodesk. Give us a second and we'll bring him right in. So today we're going to talk about measuring agile, measuring agility. And with, again, our guest today, Peter Belante, Senior Product Line Manager at Autodesk. Peter, how are you today? Doing good, Frank. Thanks a lot. Glad to be here. Well, what we're going to talk about is measurement. This is a topic that we really haven't talked about at all. We've been talking a lot about adoption. We're talking about how people are doing Agile. But as we know, in most corporate environments, if you can't measure it, it's not going to get any traction. If you can't measure it, it's not going to get any executive support. But before we do that, why don't you give us a little bit of your background, if you can share a little bit of your experiences with either Agile or Kanban, which I think you had a little more experience with. I'm happy to on a couple different fronts. Let me talk about my Agile experience first. So as a product manager and director of product management over several different companies before I got to Autodesk, we ran, you know, traditional scrum to for all of our project delivery. So, you know, whether it was a two week, four week sprint, you know, all the cadences, velocity measurements, things like that were how we delivered products. So I got really used to that as a as a mode of delivery. And, you know, recently, uh, last year, uh, I moved over to manage the marketing for BIM360 across all five products uh, at the brand level. And, you know, I was looking for a way to kind of continue that, that process of rapid delivery, responding to needs of change and so forth. And I wanted to use a Scrum framework. And so uh, we started off with that and then it has since sort of morphed into a, a Kanban framework as a result of some, you know, iterative learnings, I, I would call it, over the past year. And it's worked out great. But interestingly enough, my my experience with Kanban goes way back to uh, the days where I used to work in a manufacturing plant. And my first exposure there was just in managing raw materials inventory, where we had to figure out when are we ready for the next set of materials to come in to be able to process orders. And it kind of works the same way here, believe it or not, in, in marketing too, in the sense that you know we want to make sure the backlog is groomed and it's ready to go. We know when we're ready to start pulling in the next set of tasks. That's been my exposure and kind of how we've adapted it here, at least uh, within the, the products that I work on. Can you share just a word about how you made the transition into marketing and a little bit about the people on your team? Were they people who had a marketing background or did you build a new team with, with some of the folks you've been implementing Agile with before? Correct. Well, that's, that's exactly it. I built a new team when I moved over uh, to take over marketing for this brand. Marketing was in a big company like Autodesk, as you might imagine, very cross-functional. There were many you know, vertically oriented functional teams that would do a piece of, a piece of marketing and actually, my first implementation of Agile was a Scrum, uh, an attempt at Scrum with a lot of functionally organized teams that were doing a piece of marketing for BIM 360. We brought in an Agile coach. There's actually uh, a great Agile coach here at Autodesk who trained everybody on this cross-functional teams and what we're trying to do. But ultimately, really, I wouldn't have called that a project a success if only because you know, the process that we deployed required everyone to be committed. Uh, everyone talks about the, the pigs and the chickens process in, in Agile and particularly with Scrum. And if you guys know that story, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat sure. it anyway. But if we're talking about breakfast and we're looking at your average breakfast. You know, the chickens were involved in breakfast, but the pigs were committed. And so um, if you think about your bacon and eggs, 
Uh, similar thing was true when we had a lot of cross-functional teams. You know, they were they were more so chickens because they didn't feel like they owned the process. So when we moved to having a team that I built out, this team is definitely we're all the pigs. We own this process. We're committed to it, and I think that makes a lot of difference in terms of agile delivery. So um, that adaptation uh, helped out quite a bit. You said you started with more of an agile, and then you morphed more towards a Kanban. Can you, first of all, maybe describe how a Kanban has worked for you? I think our audience, we don't talk about that as a topic a whole lot. Can you describe it and then kind of describe how it works for you guys? Kanban, it differs from Scrum in a couple ways. Uh, Scrum tends to have a fixed cadence. You know, you decide on this, the length of your sprint, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, something like that. And then at the end of that sprint, you know, all of the tasks that you put in, put in there are supposed to be done and if you're releasing product, it's a potentially shippable unit that you have at the end of that time. And the team all works collectively towards that goal of creating a release. I found that, that for the kinds of things that we were doing since you know, we'd have a number of different initiatives going and things kind of you know, popped up very frequently that required urgent attention, Kanban made a lot more sense because it's a continuous flow. And so what that means is you know, while we still do two-week iterations, but we manage this work in process more than anything else. We have a certain number of tasks that we as a team can can execute on. Let's say it's you know ten or whatever. When one of those tasks finishes, moves to the done column, we bring in the next one from the backlog or the to do list. That's the highest priority based on what's arrived already, and that keeps the process going continually. We still get to sync up like we would if we were running a Scrum process, but we don't feel the pressure that we have to complete every task that's in that cycle on that same date. That was one of the problems with mm-hmm. you know. I think differences between marketing and, and product releases is that we're continuously releasing almost every day. If we want to run you know, a quick PPC campaign or something like that, we don't want to have to wait until the end of the cycle to do that. We're going to run that the day that that task is ready to go, and then we'll move the next one in from, uh, from our backlog to that cycle. So continuous flow seemed to fit more the process of what we're doing with our marketing activities anyway. So let me ask you some follow-ups there that can, I think, transition to transition us to this um, conversation about measurement. So when you talk about uh, measuring work in process, right, with, with Scrum, we're often talking about velocity. In Kanban, maybe we're a little bit more focused on cycle time. So I'd love to learn just a little bit about, are you looking at cycle time from iteration to iteration or just over time? And as you're moving your tasks across your, your Kanban board, are you still grooming your backlog and are you scoping, the, or sorry, are you estimating the size of the stories that you're working on? Yeah, so, so great question. So cycle time, absolutely, we measure that. So we do a two-week Kanban iteration, if you will, just so that we can have some of the ceremonies of Agile, such as a planning meeting where we do prioritization and so forth. But we do look at cycle time, and that's somewhat of a function of the tools that we're using. But we can see, and the good news is, over the last you know, few, few cycles that we've run, we're de- decreasing our task time. For example, like our average task time is about four days right now. And that's down from five and then five and a half even a couple months ago, which tells us that you know, we're getting better and improving that cycle time. We also do what I would call a pseudo-velocity measurement, too, in, in the sense that we look at, maybe at the end of that cycle, how many tasks we've actually completed. So you know, we, we, it's not as clean as it would be for a, a velocity measurement for Scrum, but um, it's similar in the sense that we can tell if we're being able to take on more tasks and then also reduce the time it takes to complete them. You mentioned that you use some tooling. Can you just let our listeners know what that is? And we've gone through an evolution of, of supporting tools to manage our process. We actually started with Trello in that first iteration that I mentioned last year as our backlog board and, and um, sprint planning board. One of the problems I found with, with Trello is it's really good for very, very small teams or a few people. 
But when you want to scale it, either in terms of people or number of backlog items and, th and things like that, it was a little more cumbersome than we would have liked. Uh, so we've moved to Jira, which is the same platform that I use you now in product management and so forth. Very efficient to set up for things like Kanban or Scrum. And that has all these reports and so forth built into it. So at any moment, I can you know, click on a, a control chart report and pull up our cycle time and so forth or or drill in and look at our velocity and so forth um, pretty easily through Jira. My organization, that's what we use is Jira. I know it's a pretty standard. The Aslassian guys have built a really nice business around it. Um, but, uh, you know, a tool, I guess, it's for managing development teams more than others. It is definitely, you can tell it's designed for development right. teams. There's a, there's a few things you just have to kind of not pay too much attention to in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I spent a, a couple of failed hours trying to get my move my stuff over, and then I kind of went back to my hacker's delight of uh, my my Google Docs spread, and kinda, I find that's just as light a way to process. I don't know if that's ideal, but when you're measuring you, tasks, you said, gee, you're trying, you measure your velocity in tasks. Is it tasks? Is it hours? Is it points? Or is it just tasks? Well, well today, it's tasks and that's that's where we're at just as a current evolution of the process but the future direction where we really want to go is estimated tasks based on story points and business value and then measure our velocity output based on that like i mentioned we brought in a new team this this marketing team is new to agile completely and you know it's a lot to take on at the beginning of a, a launch of a team you know by changing a completely new process that they're not familiar with so what we decided to do was start start small start simple and then build on that so each cycle we add a little bit more process in you know a little bit more um, tuning so that we can measure our output measure the results so the next thing that we will do is you know when we're doing our backlog grooming meetings which happen on the off cycles we're going to start to estimate the stories we'll start to estimate them in effort and business value and then when we prioritize the backlog We'll look at those two variables to make sure that those things bubble up to the top that have the highest business value first. And then obviously our reports will follow that. We actually just had a, a conversation with um, Jim Ewell about writing user stories in the context of marketing. And the topic of how you estimate definitely came up. I think Mark, this is an area where marketers are definitely kind of more challenged. Most marketers aren't as familiar with practices like planning poker. Be curious to know if, you know, when you talk about doing estimate estimation, are you thinking about using practices like that? And then just as, as a follow-on to that, how are you measuring the sort of business impact? From a story point uh, measuring and so forth, planning poker is exactly it. I, I actually love the you know, the sort of process of getting everyone in a room, everyone has their cards, and then you have to show them all simultaneously on what your estimate of a task is. That way everyone, you know, doesn't get a chance to see what someone else says and you get a real opinion on the, on the level of effort of a task. And invariably, those, those great situations come up where a number of people will think it's you know, one story point or and then a third person will think it's, uh, you know, a five or a ten and you have a great conversation about what the scope is. Because when you write that original story, it's subject to interpretation. So this, this helps to really refine the story or cause you to split it out into smaller tasks, which is something that we're doing right now on a more of a time basis. If we see tasks that are taking too long, we kind of know that it probably should have been split out into smaller stories. Yeah, that's my personal bugbear. I think I'm, I'm the worst at breaking tasks down. It, it, look, it looks like a small task. And one of my consultants always says to me, I have this small project for you. And he always uses that as his, as his warning sign that it's going to be something that lasts for a while. It always seems to start small and then as it grows. And if we had the discipline to discuss the task a little bit more rigorously during the planning process, then I think we would break it down into something 
more discreet. And exactly. It's always a balance of how much planning do you want to do versus uh, totally how much measurement and execution. You have to kind of balance. Those. Well, every minute planning is a minute you're not doing, and that's always the kind of the, that delicate balance between obviously having some process. The benefit of Agile is it's a lightweight process, but it's not a zero process. I mean, it still has overhead. C- certainly does. I think the second part of your question, though, is about how do we measure in terms of business benefit. And you know, I think the, it would be wonderful if we could take each of our tasks and score them based on you know a really tangible marketing metric, something like leads generated, or maybe an abstraction of that. You know, page views. If we're looking at the demand gen side of the side of the equation, and I think we could po- potentially do that with a number of tasks that we have or uh, stories. The other way, though, I think is more subjective, uh, which, which might just be something as, as far as looking at what our KPIs and our overall goals are, saying whether or not this is a low, medium, or high impact. And then we can kind of roll that up. It's sort of an approximation for story points, but at least we, we're making a conscious decision about what we think the high impact things are as far as um, output. Yeah, and you lean back to your days as it sounds like your manufacturing environment or Kanban really kind of emerged from. Cycle time was the way it was the metric of choice. You know, how many cars are we going to get off the assembly line? Off the toy, how many Camrys are we going to get off the assembly line today? What's holding us up and what's the flow through? Marketers, it's not all purely about speed. That's right. It's more of a process metric. It just tells us really how well our marketing process is working and if we're able to you know execute efficiently versus the business value that we deliver. Those are two different so, things. That's why we need a different measurement. So let me ask you a follow-up on the business value, because this is actually something that I'm, I've been thinking a lot about for my own team. Um, in the past couple of shows, Google's OKR framework has come up a lot, objectives and key results. And one of the, the goals of the OKR framework is to keep the team that's doing the agile implementation sort of in the trenches in alignment with executive management. And they are scoring themselves on business objectives and whether they meet those business objectives. So that is one of the ways that I've been my at Oracle have been interested in figuring out if we can use the OKR framework as a way of getting to business measurement. But one of the things that's come up for us as we've we've actually started experimenting with this is that the team is capable of talking about and expressing what the key objectives are, but it's hard for us to differentiate between those key objectives, which are sort of seen as discretionary, and these other things that are always ongoing. And so there's this sense that what was moving down the Kanban board is kind of like, that's great, and that's important work that we need to focus on, but it doesn't kind of speak to this um, foundation of other work that they're doing all the time and that doesn't necessarily fit squarely into the Kanban process. So I'm kind of curious if, if you've had that experience and how you've tried to separate these sort of ongoing programmatic things from these initiatives, that new initiatives that you're working on trying to get down the board. Yeah, I, I certainly experienced that. And I, I like an approach that I heard from you know, someone else at an Agile marketing uh, discussion recently where they said, you know, they, they use Scrum and, and various flavors of Kanban to manage their process, but they only, they only plan at 80% of the team's capacity. So the metrics and the KPIs that are initiative-focused are part of that 80%. The other 20% is sort of that ongoing, whether it's maintenance activities or just work in process type things that you have to do anyway. Call it overhead, um, I guess. <laughs> call it overhead, sure. It's it's planning meetings, it's, you know, uh, other types of, you know, groups and things you have to be involved in. But that way you have, you don't feel like you have to plan to the nth level of detail. You can still, you know, mm-hmm. feel good about focusing on the objectives, but also feel like, hey, maybe that's innovation time too that you could spend on something else or just, like you said, um, other built-in process time that you have to account for. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, I'll tell you that ratio seems like it's pretty far off, to be frank, from what I'm hearing from my team. I mean, I feel like actually 60% of their time is probably going to these ongoing things, these programs that are doing quarter after quarter after quarter. And it's more like 40 or even 30% of their time where they're getting to work on the um, new initiatives. That wouldn't surprise me, Roland, that it's that high. I mean, I know we budget for, we use hours instead of story points, and I'll budget for about 70, 65 to 70% of the available hours I allot for. Now, I'm a little sloppy about adding and subtracting when new things come in, so I try to leave some capacity along the way for for additions, Mm -hmm. but also we just notoriously optimistic about forecasting hours. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, I definitely see that too. It's when you're reading that task, it's it always seems simple. Like, oh yeah, that'll that'll take me an hour. But uh, it's it's you know whether it's a distraction or a barrier that you hit or something like that, it's there's always something unexpected that comes up. So let's climb the ladder on the measurement thing because Roland was talking about the OKR framework, which is really great in terms of aligning corporate objectives and cascading those kind of vision and corporate objectives down the organization. If you were to sit down and have a conversation with your boss or your boss's boss and, and they were going to say, boy, Peter's doing an awesome job because we know you're doing an awesome job, but they're uh, saying Peter's doing an awesome job and we love Peter's approach because it what? They can see the report outs that we do are based on really hardcore marketing KPIs. We're driving towards those. And what they can see differently that we're doing is that our backlog is really prioritized when we try to figure out which things we're going to focus on are driving those KPIs. So we report those out frequently. That's really how we manage our, our prioritization is based on the ones that are going to deliver the most business value to the, um, the marketing metrics that we're business do you have your boss or your boss's boss in in the role of product owner in the whatever your planning and retrospective meetings are yeah we haven't done that yet but that's a great idea um i've been focusing mostly as the product owner role in this and and we when we do retrospectives i guess i'm somewhat of the scrum master also but there's been some interest and i think that would be a great uh, going back to the uh, chicken analogy i used before it's great to have you know, another some chickens in the room to see what we're looking at so they can help provide input and, and commentary on some of the things that we're doing. So let me follow up on, on the one that you just asked, actually. So again, going up to the business leadership, right? If you, if you have good measurement and you're showing the value, um, they'll support your agile practice, which sort of begs the question, if you are doing that and you're proving that to them, are you seeing agile basically being pushed into the rest of the organization? Are they adopting it? Do you see a shift on a leadership level that's going to change the overall landscape um, in which you're working? Yeah, well, that's that's certainly my hope. Uh, within the development teams, of course, we're uh, very much agile. Within marketing, I think my team is one of a handful that are really practicing it in in earnest. But we're very public about what we're doing and we evangelize it internally. And I think, you know, we get a lot of attention from, from other teams asking us how we're doing it, how we can coordinate their process like ours. So I'm optimistic that we'll start to see, you know, more and more adoption. Uh, but there's, there's right now, there's, there's very much a flexibility or freedom, I would say, on our side to sort of innovate here and, and define a process that could be replicated uh, by other teams if they wanted to pick it up. There's no, uh, there's no mandate that says we must do it or, uh, or must not. Peter, anything going on in your life? Any speaking? Anything you want to plug on your end? Uh, no, I don't have any uh, upcoming speaking uh, at the moment. But you know, certainly looking for opportunities to network with people in the in the Boston area and the community um, that are interested in agile and agile marketing. So you may see me at one of the many events that are uh, that are out there on meetups. Well, awesome. Maybe we can get you to speak at one of the up and coming meetups because I know John Cass and I have been talking about trying to fill in the schedule for the next uh, six months or so. I think we've got a couple of gaps coming up. We'll have to reach out to you. Yeah, that would be great. 
looking well, forward to that. Great. Well, to our listeners, thanks for joining us today. Again, if you are interested, you have a story to tell. You, you are doing some pretty awesome things that are increasing the agility of your marketing team. Reach out to Roland at rsmartly on Twitter or myself at Tangy Slice on Twitter. You can also check out old episodes of the Marketing Agility Podcast on iTunes or please leave us reviews. Tell us how much you love us or dislike us and also check out AgileMarketingBlog.com which is the home of the Marketing Agility Podcast. Roland, Peter, thanks for joining us today. To everyone out there, please stay agile.